We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Matt Keifling, a former multiple league champion in both the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship. Currently, he's off to a 4-0 start in the main event and sitting in the top 70 teams overall. In this episode, he and I talk about the surprising pick he made at fourth overall in the main event, what AFC North receiver he is panicking on, and much more. You can follow Kaifling on Twitter at M74Scorpion. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is former multi-league champion in the FFPC main event and Football Guys Players Championship, Matt Keifling. The first episode of October of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Pleasure to be joining with a gentleman who has an undefeated team in the FFPC main event sitting in the top 70 uh, overall over out of 2,400 teams. A guy who I don't know if you've ever led this competition overall before. I know you had a really good team a couple years ago, but joining me this week, it's Matt Keifling. Matt, uh, thanks so much for joining me this week. Hey, Bulky. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, it's always nice to get off to a good start so, in the FFPC. Oh, obviously. Yeah, totally. And, and you definitely are there for no, no question going into uh, to week five. That 2017 that 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 2017 team that you had, 
um, going back a couple of years. I know you made it up as high as second was overall. Was that the highest you ever were that season? That was, yeah, that was after the very first week. I was second overall, or yes, and then uh, that's, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit, and I, I kind of hung out in the top five for a few weeks, uh, kind of plummeted down, um, but I don't think I ever left the top 100, so, I mean, it was a really good season. I believe I ended up uh, somewhere in the 20 range at the end of the championship run so it was a good year it's a good time oh nice well hopefully we're we're on our way for for another one of those uh as you are uh doing very well uh, as we head in october here on the uh on the, in the ffpc main event when you drafted this team and, and this is more a philosophical question when when you're playing in these you know major competitions like the main event the football guys players championship when you draft your team are you just kind of trying to, to win your 12-team league to, to get that pass into the championship round and then see what happens there? Or, you know, especially when you're playing for a half a million dollars in the FFPC main event this year, are you are you drafting really high-ceiling players to make sure that you are as explosive as possible to try to uh, get that grand prize? How do, you, how do you normally, what's your philosophy on when you build these teams and these two events specifically? Uh, my philosophy, and I've yeah, I've done over since 2012. 2012 was my first year doing the FFPC main event, um, and I've done this is my eighth team, and I, I typically do one a year. Um, I missed one year because I was um, you know, I'm retired Navy, so I was deployed and I didn't uh, run it. But um, I have I've won four out of the seven leagues that I've been in uh, in my individual league. So I'd say that's a pretty good percentage over the course of, of seven years. Um, but that's really my main goal when I go into starting uh, the draft is to win my main league. Um, I'm just trying to keep myself in it, uh, you know, and, and continue to roll that, that money into, you know, hopefully playing in the next year and, and uh, continuing that run. Um, but I do think that, uh, like with the 2017 team and hopefully hopefully with this team, um, you know, those players that I draft, if they're drafted to win an individual league, you know, there's so, got to be some kind of chance that they're going to get into that championship week and, and make a run at it. So, yeah, that, that half a million dollars, is a, it's a real incentive to, to go for. Um, but I think my main goal is to win my league and then just see where it takes me from there. Yeah, and, and I would say the ratio that you've had of winning your leagues over the years, that, that's incredible. That's really, really good and something that I think everybody would, would strive to do if they could do that consistently. Let's get into this main event draft that you did. You diverted from ADP right away. Everybody talked about you know, the big four running backs and Kamara and Elliott and uh, Barkley and McCaffrey. You had the fourth overall pick. You decided, I'm not going to take Elliott. I'm not going to take Hopkins, who are both available. You want Travis Kelsey. So obviously tight end premium certainly factors into this, but why was Kelsey the foundation of what you wanted to build this team around? Uh, this kept me up at night. The night, the, the night before, I mean, I'm talking, here's the 104. You're, you're getting news about Zeke Elliott and his holdout. Is he going to end it? Is he not going to end it? You know, I'm drafting behind the Godfather, who I think a lot of people know. I'm drafting right ahead of uh, Chad Schroeder, who I think a lot of people know. And I'm going, if I mess up this pick, it's it could be the end of me. It's going to be an uphill battle. Um, but I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, you know, Zeke at that point had not yet ended his holdout, though it was – kind of rumored um but all the way up until i actually clicked that button i was checking the news to see if elliot had ended it um 
and if he had, I don't think he would have been available at 104. I think he, I think he goes before that. Um, that being the case, I would have certainly taken one of the other three. Uh, but Kelsey, at that point, I, I felt like he was the safest pick on the board that was going in the first round uh, this year. Um, add to the fact that I think I felt really good about the the wide receiver depth a little later in the draft. Um, I felt like I could kind of put that together later. Um, I didn't really want to go all in on Hopkins or Adams or Julio this year. I, I felt like, um, yeah, they each had their own little bit of question marks about, you know, uh, and, and wide receivers, just a more volatile position. Um, to be honest, Kelsey hasn't even had a huge breakout game yet. He's just been the model of consistency. And that's kind of what you're looking for to base a team on, in my opinion, especially when you're looking to win your league. So that was certainly why I went that route. Um, and then, of course, right after me, Ezekiel went to uh, Chad Schroeder. So. <laughs> oh, well, let me ask you this, man, because you bring up a couple of uh, points there about the receivers. Um, I, I, I Listen, I get Julio Jones. I mean, there, there's the injury factor uh, and, and the, 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 the rise of Calvin Ridley and obviously, you know, every, the, the draft assets that Atlanta sunk into him. But what was it about? I mean, was it the new offense, the Matt Lafleur offense, that gave you pause about Devonte Adams? And and what was it about Hopkins where you're like, well, he's going to be good, but I I think Kelsey is better than him. What were the what kind of the the I don't want to call them red flags, but maybe the, the yellow flags uh, that that uh, stood out for you about Adams and Hopkins that had you skipping them at the four pick? I actually had Adams as my number one receiver. Um, I drafted him. Uh, in, in a couple other leagues where I had, a, a you know, the sixth, seventh, eighth pick. Um, I, I just, yeah, Matt LaFleur played a little bit. I, you know, Aaron Rodgers was injured last year. He, and he hasn't looked quite right this year. Uh, but even at that time, I just thought, you know, everybody was talking about the big, the waiver wire or not the waiver wire, excuse me, the, the late round sleepers like, uh, Valdez Scantling and Geronimo Allison and then Jimmy Graham was going to be okay and I just thought there's a lot of mouths to beat Aaron Jones you know Jamal Williams all these guys in that offense and we do know that that Aaron Rodgers can support you know uh more than one very good wide receiver you know top top 24 wide receiver in that offense but uh I just didn't feel like in this case with the tight end premium um and and again it's the main event league there's just fantastic players in these drafts. Um, I wanted to go the safe route and just build that base. Hopkins is another guy. Um, the offensive line down there in Houston. Um, Deshaun Watson has a little bit of a history. Uh, you know, he, he has a couple of injuries here and there, some nagging things. And he's tough. Maybe one of the tougher guys in football, you know, what he's played through. Um, but it does affect him and. You know, they're going to pepper Hopkins with targets. But, again, you had a lot of those late-round flyers guys are talking about, like Will Fuller and Kiki Takuti and and guys like that, that, you know, you think that if teams really want to take those guys out of the game, they can do that. When it comes to the Chiefs offense, you can't take any of those guys out of the game because the other three or four are going to beat you. So I just felt like um, he was safer uh, than those, um, I think, more volatile players which has so far proven to be true yeah no question I, I i think you nailed it as far as that goes i mean hopkins has had a couple of bad games adams obviously now with the turf toe we don't know when he's going to be back and kelsey he's just catching passes from the mvp as the number one target in that offense as long as tyree kills out so 
that, yeah, definitely had the right call there, at least the first four weeks of the season. I, I think I could definitely get on board with that. Um, Devin Singletary kind of stuck out to me as well in this uh, in this draft. At the 609, um, this is a guy that – now. I, and I can't remember exactly when you drafted this main event team. I'm not sure if McCoy was cut uh, at that point or, or where the Bills' uh, running back uh, situation stood. You can probably enlighten me on that. But why was – I mean, there were other guys there – um, and guys who ended up going ahead of him in ADP in the main event, guys like Darius Geist in the Redskins, Matt Breida, uh, Tariq Cohen. There's there's several other running backs that were going. So you went a little bit uh, off ADP again in the sixth round with Singletary. Talk me uh, talk to me a little bit about your thought process there of why Singletary made sense for you at the end of the sixth. Yeah, the uh, the big thing with that is, like you said, McCoy had actually been cut. And the rumors were, were getting stronger and stronger with McCoy that whole week before I drafted my team. I, I like to draft my main event team actually after that first Thursday game. It's one of the things that I like about it. Um, but with my new job, I actually had to work that weekend, so I was not able to draft after the Thursday game. Um, so I drafted the Sunday before, um, but at that point, McCoy had been cut, so I knew it. Uh, he was really climbing up uh, draft boards in previous drafts that I had done. Singletary was, and um, you know, and I, I looked at him. Uh, you know, the backfield in Buffalo was a little bit more solidified. You had, you know, Singletary was was kind of the the guy that was going to give the Bills the best chance to win. I don't think anybody's really afraid of of Yeldon too much, and and Frank Gore's at, at this stage of his career. He's a plotter and magnificent one at that, but. He's he's not going to be the guy that you know. I don't think any coach is going to be excited about rolling out there for twenty you know twenty five touches a game. So Singletary really gave him the best chance to win. And when I put that up against uh, guys like Tariq Cohen, who was in a muddy backfield with Mike Davis and Montgomery, and then uh, Matt Breida, who had uh, Coleman and Mostert and and whoever else they want to throw, you know Jeff Wilson, you know that obviously came in off the uh, practice squad but you know you just didn't know what was going on with those guys as clearly as i felt i had a good uh, feel for what um buffalo wanted to do and i thought uh, josh allen was going to take a step forward a little bit um and the offense would be slightly improved they added john brown i liked that aspect of things and uh you know, Josh Allen uh, takes a step forward. He takes a couple steps back, and they're going to play, you know, from behind. They're going to play from ahead. But single Singletary can do it all. He can be in there when they're when they're trying to run out the clock, or he can be in there when they're trying to trying to catch up. So I really like that. And then Darius Geis, um, particularly, it, it, you're always concerned about a guy coming off an ACL or you know a leg injury, especially in the running back position. They typically don't come back to full form. Um, he did look better than I expected him to, um, when he, you know, that first week there. Um, but it, it was just for me again, I'm still looking at something that was a little bit more safe at this point. I wanted to really establish that core of my, uh, of my fantasy team, which I think, you know, at that point I had, I had had two wide receivers, two running backs and a, and a tight end. And he just really fit with my strategy at that point. Yeah, I think the one thing that's working against Singletary right now is it's sort of an unfair advantage. I don't know if Frank Gore has gotten some sort of special, um, you know, exemption from the NFL to take blood thinners and heart medication and all this this other senior citizen, uh, senior citizen, uh, you know, supplements that he's taking to keep crushing it out there. Uh, but certainly, once Singletary gets back, it looks like he'll have to 
um, you know, kind of be dealing with Frank Gore uh, for as long as Gore is going to be out there. And the, you know, sometimes with these with these older running backs, you know, Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore or who, you know, what have you. I think that they just, I, I, I was of the belief that. One, you know, I'm just going to believe in them until they retire because I, I don't know how they how they've been doing it, not just the last year or two, but really like the last seven years, the last you know six years, all the surgeries that Peterson's gone through, and I think it, you know these guys aren't necessarily going to be league winners, but you don't have to draft them at spots where they're they're going to be league, league winners. And I know we we're talking about Singletary, but these guys they're they're kind of space fillers for you. You know, if you if a if a running back goes down, they're basically free in drafts. Nobody's going to grab Gore on you, and and he's looked great so far. And, and I don't see any reason uh, to see him slowing down anytime soon. Uh, so he's certainly going to help a lot of people out over the bye weeks, uh, at least in my opinion. We'll see where that goes. Speaking of injured guys, I know that when, when you're drafting guys, and I'm guilty of this too. Not necessarily that it's a bad thing, but drafting guys that you know are going to be injured at the start of the regular season is always difficult. It's difficult for me. It's difficult for a lot of drafters because you just there's the unknown. You don't know when these guys are going to be back. You are hanging in there, obviously, in this main event after taking A.J. Green at the 704 in this draft. When when you originally picked him, when did you sort of originally think he would be back? What week? And now, you know, knowing what we know, um, you know, getting the reports in from Cincinnati, when do you think he actually gets back and starts putting up the numbers that we normally associate with his talent? Well, the Bengals and AJ Green, they were pretty secretive about that injury when it happened. It was it was the surgery kind of happened with little fanfare. <laughs> Nobody really, I mean, it was yep, AJ Green had surgery. It was just a minor one to clean things out, but it it kind of didn't make sense. Now he was going, uh, you know, before the the injury, he was going end of the second, beginning of the third round, um, and I think that's where people kind of saw him based on. Uh, you know the Bengals' offense being less than than stellar, I would say, um, and just the offensive line, the the troubles that they were having there, and they had already lost their you know first round pick for the year. So, and I think that you know nobody would deny that AJ Green. I, I believe nobody would deny that he's at least a, a first, at, le- at worst, a, a you know early second round talent. Um, but it was the offense that I think was giving people pause. So. They were secretive. You didn't know where he was going, but I felt like the seventh round, and again, I, I looked at my draft strategy. I was very safe with, I thought, my first six picks, um, and I, I felt like taking that risk. I had mentioned earlier that I liked the wide receiver depth a little later in the draft, and I felt like I could take that risk. I didn't think he'd be back around to me if I waited until the eighth. I I don't know when he'll be back. Um, you know, a lot of times teams like to wait until after the bye, the Bengals week it, nine bye this year. So um, it could not be until week 10 that, that he comes back. And, you know, I don't know if we'll necessarily see the production we're, we're used to seeing from A.J. Green because of that offensive line. I mean, you saw the game last night, and, and, and Andy Dalton didn't have one and a half seconds to, to get rid of the ball. Um, so I don't know if – I don't know what they're going to do there if they – you know, they'll have some guys come back from injury probably. I think Cordy Glenn, I think Redmond came off a of suspension today. Um, but they're they're still not, you know, they're still never going to be a, a top-of-the-line offensive line in this league. So um, maybe they'll give Andy Dalton a little bit more time and he'll be able to get the ball down there to A.J. Green um, when he does come back. Um, but for me, again, with my draft strategy and the way I set things up, I felt comfortable with him 
not being around. And this kind of goes back to that first question um, about whether you're drafting to win your league or drafting to win it all. And, you know, if A.J. Green's back in week 10 after their buy and he's healthy and he's putting up, you know, even wide receiver three or flex points for me, um, and I'm making a championship run and that, you know, how many, how many other teams that are making that championship run are going to have AJ green on the roster that they drafted late. And I think that could, that's the kind of thing that could set me apart, hopefully. Um, and, and maybe help me make that run to the top of that board at the end. So, you know, if he comes back earlier than that and he's a hundred percent and he's putting up numbers, that's, that's great. But I'm, I'm comfortable with him not being back until, until after the buy. Yeah, and, and he's already got the connection with Dalton, and we know that you know Zach Taylor is, is at least bright enough to scheme his best player in the football. So I I look forward when Green is healthy for better things. I know I drafted him as like my fifth receiver in, in one of the Kentucky leagues this year, and um, I, I, I desperately need him to come back in that league. We'll just leave it at that. Um, but uh, the other thing, you know, we might get into the waiver wire a little bit later on, but as long as we're talking about Cincinnati, you know, we got the news Tuesday afternoon here that, that John Ross is, is going to miss a handful of games, maybe a month, could be longer, we don't know. And that really leaves Tyler Boyd as the last man standing. But what about Auden Tate, the former Florida State, you know, big-framed, long-legged, leaping jump ball receiver, not the fastest guy in the world, um, but a, a former seventh-round pick, and he actually got some, some end zone looks last, or excuse me, Monday night in the game. Um, what, what, what would you do with him on the waiver wire right now? Is that a priority target for you? Um, or are you kind of stay, staying away from the Bengals offense in general until green gets back? Yeah. I mean, definitely in this main event team, I'm staying away from the Bengals offense. I'm actually a little bit heavy on them. I, I have Tyler Boyd as my number two right now. Um, and he just squeaked me by with his six points to get me the win the other night in my worst week of the season. So, um, and I'm also looking at, uh, you know, Tyler Eifert as my backup tight end. So I'm, I'm already a little heavy on the Bengals for where I'd like to be. Um, so I, you know, even with a guy like that, who I can see getting something, and again, it goes back to that offensive line that just, I don't know that he's going to have enough time to get it down the field. Auden Tate, he's going to win the 50, 50. He's going to win that jump ball a lot of the time because he is big, uh, you know, tall, has got the leaping ability, he's strong. Um, I was actually probably one of the seven people in the world who drafted him last year in 2018, um, and he didn't get any playing time. He spent some time on our practice squad, but, uh, you know, he really impressed me during the preseason last year. So he is a guy that I do think has a future in this league. I don't know if it'll be um, – you know, I don't know if it'll be the Bengals or another team or or what, but I do see him as a guy that can that can help out some teams that might be in a in a pinch for for a couple of weeks. And they do have a really good matchup Sunday against Arizona. Before we move on to the next section of the show, I want to mention about ShipStation, and ShipStation is absolutely fantastic. You know, if you're sending any parcels, sending any orders, especially if you're a business and so many options to choose from so how do you know where to make the best choice it's quite simple all you need to do is go to shipstation.com it's the fastest easiest and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders shipstation helps you get your orders out quickly save money on those shipping costs and keep your customers happy at the end of the day that's the key if you can be happy the customer can be happy you're ready to roll and all things will be good it's really easy to manage from any device even your cell phone they even offer big discounts on shipping costs another key as to why i love using shipstation so you'll always know that you're getting the best deal the good news is right now as a listener to a podcast on the blue wire network you can try shipstation free for 60 days when you 
use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You don't even have to put in your credit card to get the 60-day free trial. Make sure you do jump aboard and try that one out. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in the code BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. The code, once again, is BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. I also want to let you know about Indochino. Indochino was founded with the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune to have a custom wardrobe. There's nothing better than, you know, you're going to a function and you, you get dressed up, you get that nice fitting suit and it, it really has that comfort, gives you confidence to, to walk around when you're talking to people and, and have a really good time. I, I really enjoy getting dressed up from time to time. And when I do that, Indochino is the best place to go. They are the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and they'll always have it with your exact measurements for a great fit and as i mentioned i'm a weird shape six foot six my arms are uh, very long my back is very long but i'm also very thin so it makes it uh, very hard those double xls can be quite baggy on me so getting those direct uh, measurements makes it the worthwhile process is simple choose a fabric pick your customization and submit your measurements your package will be delivered straight to your door within two weeks you start to upgrade your style now with 30 dollars off your total purchase of 3.99 or more at indochino.com when entering blue wire at checkout plus shipping is free that's endochino.com the promo code again is blue wire you really have no excuse not to get on board once again endochino.com and you talk about the future of him in this league and this is interesting because you play in some ffpc dynasty leagues or you might be looking at odd and tate in the future is there anyone and 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 i'm going to throw a name at you in case you don't bring him up because this is a guy every time i talk high stakes dynasty with with a guest here on 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 either this show or the hsffo or i'm always i'm always bringing this guy up as far as dynasty goes but i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it to you first is there anyone here a month into the season that you're either looking to try buy to to buy low on um who who, you know an underperforming guy that you think you can get on the cheap or maybe sell high on for a guy who's been crushing it over the last week or last week that you think you get some really good value on before his value changes today um you, you know, I'm thinking about this. Uh, I actually was looking to make an offer today, and and the guy that I was going to target um, is Robbie Anderson of the Jets. Um, he does have some a couple of tough matchups coming up here, um, so he may this may not be somebody I target. And hopefully, the guy that on in my league that has him isn't listening. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, here in a couple of weeks, he's really going to be on that on that buy low scale. Because I and and um, and uh, I've got Tyler Lockett, who's got a couple of, of nice matchups coming, and I've got him on my team in a, in a couple of weeks, and then he's got some really tough matchups um, coming up the rest of the season. So uh, I think at that point, if I could make a trade and trade Tyler Lockett straight up for Robbie Anderson, um, I'm, I'm probably going to make that trade. And the reason I say that, and it's not just about this year, because in dynasty, you're looking for the future too. And, you know, but with the emergence of DK Metcalf, David Moore's coming on a little bit. Uh, Seattle's not a team that I think really wants to, to throw the ball unless they have to. Um, they, they want to run the ball. They want to establish that. And Lockett, his his efficiency numbers last year were just off the charts. I mean, they're going to come back down to earth right now. Uh, he's 26 for 32 you know, on 32 targets. You know, he's got 328 yards and, and two touchdowns. You know, through four weeks of the season, um, I, I don't think. Obviously, he's a very talented receiver. I just don't think he's that number one. You know, with, with Doug Baldwin leaving, um, 
And I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but I, I think DK Metcalf is, is destined to be that number one receiver in Seattle. And I think unless Tyler Lockett can just amazingly maintain those ridiculous efficiency numbers that he's had, uh, I see him really regressing down to, um, you know, middling wide receiver, um, you know, low end wide receiver two, maybe wide, wide receiver three in, going forward. Um, and Robbie Anderson's a guy, I think he's just on the rise. He's done it before. Uh, he's got some, some fantastic matchups. I mean, you can, he, he's got a six-week stretch here coming up with the Dolphins, Giants, Redskins, Raiders, Bengals, and Dolphins again. And, uh, you know, and then he plays Baltimore in week 15. But, you, you know, you get the Steelers defense in the championship round. So this year, um, that's a guy that I would target. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I know that uh, Darnold is just getting back from his, you know, uh, mononucleosis. And he'll, uh, he'll, he might take a little time to get back to full strength. Um, but, you know, Darnold is no Luke Folk. He's, he's, he's going to be able to get the job done a little bit up there. Um, Le'Veon Bell is going to keep defenses honest. And so I, I, I like the direction that, uh, that that team's going up there, and I think uh, Robbie Anderson's going to be a part of it. All right, so you didn't bring him up, so I'm going to ask you about him. Uh, Leonard Fournette coming off a massive, massive game this week, um, and I have been looking for a window. Well, uh, well, I've been looking for a window to, uh, to sell him in, in one of my dynasty leagues. Now, the issue with that is, I'm actually the second leading scorer in the league right now, and I feel like you know, giving up on Fournette right now might be a big mistake. Where do you see Fournette trending now? I mean, we don't necessarily talk need to talk about 2020 and beyond, but for the rest of the season, I mean, he's not going to rush for 200 yards every week. But did he turn a corner? I mean, is he going to be a top 10 running back the rest of the way? How do you how do you feel about Fournette and how you would treat him in dynasty right now? I, I like Fournette. I mean, I think in the you know, in the preseason and the early games, um, and you know, in that that main draft August, there a lot of people were 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 starting to get higher on him. It did seem like he had, um, you know, gotten his head right to where he was. You know, he was all in on football. I think last year he got a little, whether it was the team doing poorly after a good season couple two years ago, or if it was just you know his attitude. Um, it did seem like uh, he was. You know, he was all in and he had gotten his head straight. Um, the biggest issue with Leonard Fournette is his propensity to miss time. And I think that is what kept him down draft boards a little bit. Um, and, you know, with, with the types of injuries that he has, it's the foot, it's the ankles, it's the, I don't know, the toe or whatever. He, you know, it, that lower leg area for a running back you know, it's not something that you're going to feel real comfortable. I can see and I can agree that that selling him at this point is a is is a option um, for you or for anybody that uh, is sitting there with him on their roster. Um, because I think the other thing you have to look at is Armistead coming up right behind him. I mean, he got in the game the other day. He got like almost 50 yards. He scored the touchdown, uh, and you know he's a he's a pretty talented back that will you know he could be the next the next guy up for for the jaguars and you know you never really know what these teams are thinking or what their plan is um we all in fantasy we all think we know or we think we know better um but we don't know what these teams are really thinking and you know they have you know they've paid for net and maybe they're just they might be ready to move on from him so yeah going looking in 2020 and beyond you 
you just don't know what the situation's going to be. And, uh, you know, they've got guys there that can uh, fill in if he if he's not there. So uh, I can I can definitely get behind that. Yeah, I'm going to have to put out the feelers and, and see what I can do and, and figure it out. Uh, but we don't need to talk. That's that's the, We'll put a moratorium on my dynasty team's talk for the remainder of the show and uh, talk <laughs> about more exciting things. Like, uh, well, this isn't necessarily more exciting, but we talked about that Monday night game uh, this week between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. We kind of talked about the Cincinnati side. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh side because we saw James Conner and Jalen Samuels really crushing it in the backfield. Deontay Johnson was, was uh, as far as statistically speaking, was the best receiver on the field for Pittsburgh. I'm concerned, and, and I don't, you know, you tell me how much I should be concerned about Mason Rudolph not, you know, chucking it down the field to guys like Juju Smith-Schuster. How concerned are you about Smith-Schuster going forward now after what you saw on Monday night? Uh, on a panic scale of one to ten, I'm sitting around a seven or an eight at this point. Wow. I really am. I, I just I'm. I think that you know. I think it gets overblown a lot when you talk about a number two going to be a wide receiver, number one. But you have to understand that he wasn't just replacing any number one receiver. He was replacing the number one receiver in the league. So you know, for what three straight years. So I mean, he had big shoes to fill teams were definitely definitely keen on antonio brown last year and they still couldn't stop him but that did leave juju open uh and you know while i do think it gets overblown there was a lot of questions about whether or not he was going to be able to fill that role um you know you lose um you know obviously Le- 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 on bell went up to the jets and he didn't play for him last year but um, you know, that's still a loss. And, you know, Big Ben going down, I want to say it was kind of like the, the uh, you know, the crushing blow that was really going to d- doom him. Because it, if you know anything about Ben, he's willing to chuck it down the field, like you say. I just feel like Pittsburgh is looking to make Root, uh, Mason Rudolph more of a game manager. Um, it was surprising to see the, what was it, what, six or seven wildcat formations that they had. Um you know, with Jalen Samuels taking direct snaps and just, I, I don't remember ever seeing a Pittsburgh team do that. I, th- I think maybe somebody replaced Mike Tomlin with a duplicate or something. Cause I've, <laughs> I've just not seen that before out of that team. I mean, they're a power running team and then they'll throw when they need to, and they usually get the job done, but maybe it's a panic because they were zero and three. Maybe it was, um, you know, just because of the, the, you know, situation with the quarterback, um, or maybe it's just they felt like having fun because they knew they could beat the Bengals no matter what they did. Um, so really, yeah, I'm panicking on Juju. I, I don't have much stock in him. I, I was I was nervous about him uh, going into the season. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm happy to not have too many shares. But, you know, I, I do think that he does have the talent and um, – you know, if they can develop some chemistry there, I don't think he's going to be a complete loss. Um, and I don't want to use the B word on him yet. And I hope that he's not because, you know, that's just not good for fantasy. Let's, uh, as long as we're talking about receivers here, um, let's keep it not only at that position, but in that division, Cleveland. Odell Beckham, he's trying to get loose to the Browns. Jarvis Landry had the big game. I know he's in concussion protocol right now, um, but he crushed it against the Ravens. Antonio Callaway actually comes back to the team this week, and uh, Freddie Kitchens is already talking up Callaway uh, as being ready to contribute right away. 
How do you look as you look at the fantasy value? And we'll we'll keep this, you know, in redraft in 2019. Um, how do you see the fantasy value going forward for these three receivers? Is it still the hierarchy, Beckham, Landry, Callaway? I mean, how do these guys stack up for you the remainder of the season? I think they're smart enough to know that their game plan is going to, or that the, the the game plan, the matchup is going to dictate um, where your hot receiver is. Uh, I I don't know that it's a hierarchy in a sense of Beckham, Landry, Callaway. Um, and I think you have to throw Nick Chubb in there after what he did this week in, in the running game. I think you have to throw him in there as, as, as the centerpiece of that offense. Um, so I think if Odell Beckham, I think, is going to be fine. I really do. I mean, Baker Mayfield has not looked sharp so far this year. He's, he's, he's sailed some balls. He's thrown some balls short. Um, but he is a guy that's, that he's going he's gonna to be willing to chuck it a little bit. Um, Odell can win that that jump ball. He can make, as we've seen, some just ridiculous catches. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. I think they need to develop a little uh, chemistry between you know him and Baker, um, and maybe that just takes a little bit of time for them. Um, I think uh, if you know if I'm if I have Odell or or Jarvis Landry on my team, I'm I'm probably feeling okay. Um, uh, Callaway is a guy that I, I I just don't see him being a consistent enough player. He might be a bye week fill in, um, but I think he's pretty far from the other two. Um, I can't remember, and I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head um, from looking at your team earlier. Do you in this main event team that you have that that's undefeated? Do you have Austin Eckler on this team? I do not. He's in my. He's in the dy- He's in the dynasty team. Okay, I that, got it. That you talked about. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's get into this conversation because you know Melvin Gordon was quote unquote <laughs> back uh, last week. Obviously, wasn't a factor, and, and Eckler had a good game again. What are you doing with these two guys? They play at home against Denver this week, and and if you own them both on the same team, would you start both of them at running back or put one of at flex or or what have you? Gordon and Eckler, Matt, uh, what's the situation with them as far as fantasy goes in week five? Yeah, I, I had to start them both last year um, in the in the Kentucky League because of, of um, Kareem Hunt getting suspended or thrown off the, the Chiefs. Um, and, and I'd feel comfortable doing that again. I mean, especially this week. They're going up against Denver. They just gave up almost 300 yards on the ground to, uh, as we talked about, Fournette and Armistead. So. I don't have any problems with starting both those guys. If they're on the same team, I've got one in one dynasty and one in the other, and I'm starting them both. I feel pretty comfortable with that. I don't think you're going to see Melvin Gordon come in there uh, after the holdout. I mean, I, I think you can look at what they did with Zeke and kind of see that that's kind of how it's going to go. They're going to ease him in a little bit. Um, I mean, couldn't be more eased in than um, active and no touches uh, like he was last week. But I, I don't think you'll see more than a 60-40 split between the two of them. Uh, I, I definitely think Austin Eckler is going to be uh, involved in this offense. I think he's shown what he can do. I think he's proven what he can do. He, I think he's a little bit better pass catcher than Melvin Gordon, even though Gordon's perfectly capable of that. And it just makes their offense um, that much more versatile in what they can do, no matter which running back they've got in there. The other thing you have to look at, you know, especially this week with the Chargers, is you know with Mike Williams out, I think um, Dontrell Inman was down, Hunter Henry's down. You know, they're basically down to Keenan Allen uh, as at a receiver, and Austin Eckler's a guy that I I could absolutely see him um, working into some receiver um, routes, and even with Melvin Gordon in the backfield, so I can see them both being on the field at the same time, and um, 
yeah, I, I feel pretty good about starting both of them this week. I don't know if it, you know if you've placed waivers yet this week with with them being processed and bringing everybody behind the curtain. We're recording this Tuesday night, um, but but <clears throat> is there a player that stands out for you this week as a as a guy you really want to get on your teams, or is this more of a passive waiver wire week? Fill up the, the spots with you know bye week guys that are coming up either this week or next week. Make sure your injuries are covered and, and you're good to go. How are you attacking the waiver wire this week, Matt? There's nobody out there for me. <laughs> I'm looking at I'm I'm looking at the waiver wire, and again, especially in the FFPC, you've got you've got fairly deep rosters. Your benches, you know, those guys, and you've got very sharp players. Um, you know, last week I was all excited, you know, to to try and go and find Goldman on the waiver wire, and lo and behold, the guy's taken in you know over half of the leagues. So, and it's Wade Goldman who's a backup to you know, to uh, Barkley and, and he's taken. So, I mean, you really have to do some digging to find anything on the waiver wire in the, in the, in the main event leagues. Um, and I just don't see anything out there. I, I know there's people that are going to be into some tough situations with injuries or with bye weeks. And, you know, it, I'm looking at guys that are, you know, less than 50% owned. You, you might be able to pick up a, you know, Cameron Braid or Ricky Seal Jones with, uh, you know, with Njoku being out on the IR. Jones Jones had a nice game the other day. He might be kind of their tight end um, to kind of round things out there in Cleveland if they can get things on, you know, keep things on track. Um, but I, I just don't see anything out there this week that I'm willing to go all in on. Um, a guy like Gallman last week is somebody that, you know, that situation happens a, a few times a year maybe. And, and that was the week that I think, that you really want to you want to open up the fab wallet and try to get get those guys, but but this week I don't see anybody. Um, there's there's some there may be some one week fillers out there um, based on you know matchups, which is how if I'm approaching the waiver wire in a passive sense, I'm looking more for matchups and and opportunity. Um, and, and it's a tough sell this week. The one thing I will say, and, and I know that a lot of teams like to um, stream defenses, um, or if you know if you happen to have picked up Detroit and, and, and been playing them for, for a week or two, um, the Tennessee defense at home against the Bills uh, just seems like a great matchup to me. Um, I would put a few bucks on um the Tennessee defense just based on the fact that whether it's Josh Allen or Matt Barkley you know there are mistakes to be made in that Bills offense and uh, if it wasn't for the mistakes I, I do think the Bills would be 4-0 at this point so it's a good team but most of that good team is based on their defense and I don't see their offense on the road in Tennessee who's done pretty well for the most part um I don't see them doing much with them so I think Tennessee defense would be probably my streamer uh, waiver wire pickup that I would be interested in. Yeah, defenses are definitely underrated. I always like to stream them. I, I will. I like to get you know a defense that you know. Um, Dave Gerzak and I, my my co-host for the HSFF Power, we were talking today, and we were saying you know he kind of jokingly said, but then we're kind of looking at New England's schedule and the defenses they've faced so far, the defenses that they have coming up. I mean, actually Rob Vieira too. I was talking to him a couple weeks ago. And I said I normally don't like to bid a whole lot uh, on the waiver wire for defenses because I like to stream them. And I was kind of ticked because I, I felt like I overbid on New England a couple of weeks ago, and they still crushed it for me. And I still was kind of like, man, I shouldn't have spent that much, though, for one week. But, you know, they get Washington this week. You know, Dwayne Haskins and 
Colt McCoy or Case Keenum, whoever Washington's trotting out there. I mean, this is another good matchup for New England. And going forward, I mean, if you got New England, first of all, if you drafted them, congratulations. And if you still have them, even better on you. And if you picked them up off the waiver wire, I mean, you got to be loving it right now. So I, what I like to do is I'll stream the first few weeks, but then I can kind of sort of get a sense for which defenses um, uh, seem to have it all together. And, and then those are the ones I tend to hang on to. And I think Tennessee is one, too, that if they end up doing well against Buffalo this week and you pick them up off the waiver wire, you may want to hang around with, uh, hang on to them as, you know, if you can. I know the bye week gauntlet is always challenging, but you may want to hang on to them uh, going forward given the performance that they've had already this season. So good job by you pointing that out. Um, one final question for you, Matt, uh, this week. Uh, one player that you think, a lot of FFPC players are, are actually going to be starting in week five that you think is, is not due for a big performance that should probably be on most people's benches. And then another player uh, that you think uh, a lot of people are going to be sitting that you will not be, that you will have in your lineups, like a sneaky sleeper that is uh, due for a big week five. I see the two Green Bay receivers, Marquez, Valdez-Scantling, and Geronimo Allison as guys that I do not want any part of this week. Um, you just And they bounce back and forth. One's done it one week. The other's done it the other week. Um, you're kind of guessing with that. They go down to Dallas. Dallas is probably you know upset. I think they're going to come on strong. That defense is good enough. And as I said earlier, Aaron Rodgers has not looked – quite right this year and i don't know what it is um it just doesn't seem quite right their offense isn't click i don't know if it's lafleur i don't know if there's some you know between rogers and lafleur and the way that they want to they want to run that offense if there's something going on there but it just doesn't seem like it's right i mean the only time you've seen green bay's offense really clicking was with Devonte adams in that lineup uh, last week before the injury and, and he was pretty much unstoppable um and so those two guys, I think and, and people are going to put them in the lineup, whether whether Devontae Adams uh, plays or not. And I think right now it's pretty much a 50-50 up in the air. It, it sounds like he might go. Um, but either way, um, I think it's going to be one or the other. Uh, and I don't want to take that, that guess um, this week personally. And, and even if it is one or the other, I don't think either one of them is going to be um, enough to get, get in that lineup. So... Um, yeah, on the other hand, you know, the guy that I'm starting that I think a lot of people are going to take a wait and see approach is Golden Tate. I like what he's going to bring to the table in that, uh, Giants offense there at home. Um, Jones is really kind of a spark plug in that offense. Uh, he, he'll make some mistakes, but he's going to make good throws and Golden Tate's a guy that he's done it in the past. Um, you've seen what Evan Ingram's done this year. He's the number one tight end and Golden Tate. Um, runs those same kinds of um, underneath type patterns that, that you'll see the tight ends run. And so that's the that's a range where I believe that they're going to continue to target. I know Minnesota's got a, typically a very good defense, um, but they are different, a little different on the road. Um, and I think, you know, while most people are going to just wait and see if they're going to go to Tate, I'm, I'm going to plug him right in and take that chance. I can see myself being really wrong on that, but I'm, I'm plugging him in. Well, fortune favors the bold, so good luck to you on that. Uh, I might actually be forced to do that in a couple of my leagues too, so <laughs> I may not have the luxury of, of, of making a, a decision, but hopefully things get better for me. I know things were great uh, this week when, when we got a chance uh, to talk tonight to Matt Keifling, the uh, 4-0 
uh, team in the FFPC main event, or one of them, I should say, top 70 overall, a guy who's been as high as second place overall in this competition previously. Good luck to you. It seems like you're off to a good start, not only in this league, but a bunch of your leagues as well. I wish you nothing but the best going forward. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're talking at the end of the season to you uh, after you're cashing a a big $500,000 payday. Who knows? Matt, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Bulky. I appreciate your time. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.